naval maneuvers off the coast of Alaska. The U.S. Navy deployed four destroyers to the region after spotting Chinese and Russian warships patrolling in nearby waters. A close call at the South China Sea. Beijing firing water cannons at a Filipino boat. Washington is reacting. Chasing Dreams, a new documentary, is bringing China's military preparation to the big screen. But what's the target? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. It's happening again. Chinese and Russian warships in the waters near Alaska. U.S. officials confirming that 11 Chinese and Russian ships did a joint drill near Alaska's Aleutian Islands last week. Darren Gobb, an international military strategist, told NTD that the drill was able to take place because of an incompetent leadership. Well, I think this moment is chosen because of this administration. If I were them putting myself in their shoes, I would look at a weak administration and say, now's the time to do something, whatever that may be. This isn't a first. Last September, a U.S. Coast Guard ship ran into seven Chinese and Russian warships near Alaska. The U.S. said the ships were operating within America's Exclusive Economic Zone, or EEZ. It's an area of the ocean extending over 200 miles from a country's territorial sea. The ships dispersed after being spotted by the U.S. Coast Guard. U.S. Northern Command said this time the Chinese and Russian warships stayed in international waters and wasn't considered a threat. They left after the U.S. sent four destroyers. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska applauded the U.S. response. He said the encounter is a reminder that the U.S. has entered a new era of authoritarian aggression. Caught on camera. Footage showing a Chinese Coast Guard ship firing water cannons at a Filipino boat. The Philippines is a key U.S. ally. And the Chinese ship was blocking the Filipino ship from delivering food supplies to troops on a disputed island. The U.S. is reacting. In a statement, the State Department said the U.S. stands with the Philippines. Washington also pointed out that an armed attack on Philippines' public vessels would invoke U.S. response. The Philippine government summoned China's ambassador following the incident. So this was like a um, David versus Goliath situation because there were only two Coast Guard vessels and two Philippine supply boats, boats against six large uh, Coast Guard, Chinese Coast Guard vessels and two Chinese militia vessels and more uh, People's Liberation Army naval vessels um, at near proximity to the area. The South China Sea is situated between China, Vietnam, Cambodia, and the Philippines. A third of global trade passes through this area. But Beijing is trying to claim most of the region. A close call happened just this May when a Chinese jet cut in front of the nose of a U.S. aircraft. China's war preparations are coming to the silver screen. China just released an eight-part documentary titled Chasing Dreams on the country's readiness to attack Taiwan, with soldiers in it saying they're willing to lay down their lives in the process. Communist China claims Taiwan as part of the mainland, despite having never ruled it. Taiwan staunchly disagrees, pointing to its democratically elected leaders and constitution. Despite that, the Chinese regime has never ruled out taking the island by force if necessary. This eight-part documentary highlights that. A Navy member says he'd use his own body to block the naval mines in combat. Documentary also highlighted the Chinese aircraft carrier Shandong, which has been transiting the Taiwan Strait recently.
Looking at some cold hard facts, China's military is at 2 million versus Taiwan's near 200,000, though Taiwan does have 1.6 million in reserve. Taiwan's reserve members could be called upon in the event of an actual war. This documentary comes amid a rise in Chinese aggression around the island, with Taiwan's defense ministry saying Sunday it detected 20 Chinese military aircraft, half of which crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait, which marks an unofficial boundary between the two sides. House China Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher is drawing attention to the Chinese regime's Ministry of State Security, the MSS. In an interview on Fox News last week, he compared the CCP's foremost intelligence and espionage agency with the Soviet Union's KGB. According to him, the MSS is operating widely on U.S. soil and at a scale far larger than the CIA. Gallagher calls on Americans to, quote, raise awareness and make sure we are guarding against this. Gallagher denounced the two U.S. Navy sailors who were arrested for allegedly spying for the CCP, calling them traitors. The congressman also noted that the CCP's ambitions for Taiwan will lead the regime to stealing sensitive information from the U.S. Did Chinese officials influence U.S. energy policies? According to an exclusive report from Fox News last week, the head of President Biden's energy department spoke multiple times with the Chinese regime's top energy official. That was days before the Biden administration released a historic amount of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The administration released 50 million barrels of oil from the reserve in 2021 to counter high gas prices. It was sold to the highest bidder, which included some Chinese state-run energy companies. Fox News says it obtained internal calendars showing U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm speaking privately with the CCP energy official just days before that. The Energy Department now says the meeting was about climate change, but isn't saying specifically what was discussed. Republican leaders have criticized the oil releases, saying it weakened national security and helped foreign adversaries. Republican lawmakers want answers from the Biden administration on alleged Chinese malware attacks. The attacks reportedly targeted key government officials and utility companies, including those serving U.S. military installations. A group of lawmakers sent a letter last week to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and NSA Cybersecurity Director Rob Joyce. They want to know the extent of the alleged hacks, how long the Biden administration has been aware of them, and what steps are being taken to address the situation. The lawmakers said the CCP is increasing its attacks on U.S. bases and military infrastructure, and that's matched by their increasingly aggressive behavior in the Taiwan Strait and other international waters. The lawmakers added that CCP aggression in the cyber domain must be met with a firm, resolute and measured response from the United States. Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland has been increasing over the past decade, which some in Congress consider a major national security issue. A related issue involves allegations of agricultural espionage. The House Select Committee on China held a roundtable event in Iowa to hear about this firsthand. NTD's Melina Weiskup has the details. 
There were many aspects as to what was discussed at that Iowa field hearing, but one major concern that was highlighted was the CCP's ongoing efforts to steal highly prized agricultural technology. They gave one example that happened in Iowa about 10 years ago. There was a Chinese man spotted digging up and stealing seeds straight from an Iowa farmer's land. Not just any seeds, these were hybrid seeds. So these high-tech seeds are among the most tightly guarded trade secrets in the industry. Crops that are grown from these seeds can then be sold by China at much cheaper prices. Trade is also a major issue. Especially when agricultural exports, especially from your district and others, are so vital to our economy. And a separate issue that has garnered much more attention, especially from folks here in Congress recently, is the issue of the Chinese buying farmland here, especially near military bases. Where they could potentially monitor uh, our activities. This has led to half of the states having passed or considered restricting Chinese purchases of U.S. farmland, and lawmakers are looking to do so on a federal level. Now there's a mysterious land purchase that is right around a California air base, which is known as the gateway to the Pacific. One concerned congressman saying we have no idea where the nearly $900 million has come from. They bought well over 55,000 acres of land in the area in the purchase raises a major concern. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Melina Weisskopf, NTD News. Americans are traveling abroad this summer and they don't seem to mind that it's putting a dent in their pocketbooks. The average cost for a flight to Europe is $1,200. And according to travel booking app, that's the highest price in the last six years. The hefty price tag isn't stopping Americans from flocking to their favorite European destinations, as well as countries across the Pacific and Asia. But one country may not be one of the popular destinations for U.S. travelers. Last month, the U.S. State Department issued an updated advisory warning Americans to reconsider travel to China. That's due to the risk of wrongful detention. A record low tourism rate in China also suggests a concerning trend. People don't want to visit there. The country recorded just 52,000 visitors in the first quarter of this year. That's compared to 3.7 million in the same period in 2019. Coming up today, the largest Russian and Chinese joint naval force patrolled off the coast of Alaska. It's deemed as the largest such fleet to ever sail so close to American shores. How should Washington respond? And what's the best way to counter China? Experts say it's to apply pressure where it hurts most. But where are they the most vulnerable? We sat down with Grant Newsham, retired Marine colonel and author of When China Attacks, for details. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Up to 11 Russian and Chinese warships spotted near Alaska. What does this armed maneuver mean for the U.S.? And what's the best way to counter China? Experts say it's to put pressure where it hurts. But what's their biggest weakness? We speak to Grant Newsham, retired Marine colonel and author of When China Attacks, for more. Grant Newsham, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. 
So Russia and China just had their largest ever joint naval exercise close to Alaska over the weekend. This was armed, but it did not enter U.S. territorial waters. So how should we be reading this? This is a direct challenge to the United States. Uh, you'll notice that it's taking place while there's all sorts of talk about an attack on Taiwan. Certainly, there's already just immense military pressure on Taiwan, even if not a, a shooting war just yet. And I think so much of what America has wanted, the U.S. government has wanted, is the Chinese and the Russians just to say, hey, hey, we, we get it, let's cool things off. But they have, in fact, sort of turned up the heat. And it shows also that Russia and the Chinese uh, have a clear interest in the Arctic region and that they intend to dominate it. Uh, while we've ignored it or left it up to the Canadians, the Russians in particular, uh, have put together the military and the economic might to take that area or at least dominate it. And China as well uh, has a real interest in it. And keep in mind that China uh, is calling itself some, something that is called a near Arctic nation. There's no such concept in international law, but it started calling itself that about 2015. Nobody told them no, so they've kept at it. And the idea is that China too has legitimate interests in the Arctic and that it will defend them as necessary. Now, if you get out a map that's oriented, sort of looking down from, from the North Pole or from Alaska, uh, you can see how it, it controls sea, uh, trade routes um, to, to Europe, into the Pacific, as well, and the distances from Alaska to just about anywhere that matters are not that far, uh, which is very useful in uh, aviation or Air Force operations or when you're shooting missiles. Uh, so this is an area whose time has uh, come for finally getting the attention it deserves. The U.S. has needed to pay more attention to Alaska uh, for a long time, and maybe they, they will. You actually have an article out recently on how the two sides can actually come to the table. And you mentioned it has to be personal, especially for the Chinese Communist Party leadership. So how would we make that personal? What I wrote in this article is what I'm getting at uh, is that so much of what we do in our China policy uh, is sort of not really focused where it ought to be. And it doesn't really give Chinese leadership much of a reason to talk or to do anything different. Uh, and so what I'm suggesting is, you know, as I put it simply, make it personal. And here's how I would explain that. Uh, when you look at what we're doing to take on China now, say we're build, trying to build our military, get that in order, uh, imply economic sanctions, very limited ones, but maybe stronger ones. Uh, we're trying to do something about uh, the fentanyl scourge that China's pouring in and telling us they have no idea where it comes from. We're trying to do something about China's cyber espionage and the possibility of a, really a cyber pearl harbor on us. But you look at all those things we're doing, and it doesn't really apply that much pressure on uh, the leaders of the Chinese Communist Party. And what they can argue is, look, it's just these Americans telling lies about us. They're trying to bully us. They're trying to contain us, uh, keep China from its rightful place. And so the pressure can kind of slides off onto the Chinese citizenry. And they actually kind of buy that. Yeah, we're being mistreated. Uh, by these foreigners, and the Chinese Communist Party can get away with it. Uh, so what I suggest in the, the piece is uh, that you, as I said, make it personal. And that is where you go after the CCP, the top leadership's main vulnerability, personal vulnerability, that they can't blame on anyone else. 
And that is their amazing and unexplained personal wealth. And that is from Xi Jinping down. These guys have immense wealth, cash, real estate, uh, relatives with green cards and residence permits overseas. China's leadership's overseas wealth is a form of corruption. Corruption is what has what brought down the KMT, the old nationalist government in China. And the Chinese communists know this. Uh, and but they can't do it, find bring it to themselves to do what they need to do to stop it for obvious reasons. Uh, it's human nature. Uh, but this is where we would have a very profitable line of attack if we do this. And that might get the uh, the Chinese communists to sort of come to the table and actually uh, talk about working out something that, that is in our benefit, not just to China's benefit. And Grant, on that note, it does sound like, say, going after the Chinese elites or leadership's investments and massive wealth is a trigger point. But what would the issues that we would then discuss be? Because it seems in the past when, say, Antony Blinken went to China, human rights, fentanyl did not end up in discussion. So how would this help us going forward? Well, you've got to have some very specific things you need the Chinese to do. And you can actually have a scorecard for those, really, if you uh, look at whether or not China lays off Taiwan. Do they stop the military threatening? Do they stop the, sort of the verbal threatenings and slaughter uh, towards Taiwan? Do they keep trying to strangle Taiwan diplomatically? Uh, what do they do to the Philippines? Do they uh, sort of stop bullying and eat, uh, muscling in on Chinese, uh, excuse me, in, on Philippine uh, maritime terrain? Uh, what do they do to Japan? Do they lay off the Senkaku Islands? Well, those would be some things that you could watch for very quickly. You could get the Chinese to do. Uh, do they uh, stop sending drugs into the United States? Uh, that's another thing that you could look for. How about starting to obey the, uh, the promises they made when they joined the World Trade Organization? Those are quantifiable things that you can uh, see whether they are or aren't doing. Um, so there's a number of things that you can, can keep an eye on to see if Chinese behavior changes. And we haven't shown that we have been interested in keeping score. But if they do come to the table and you want them to do something, uh, want them to do something more than just talk, but rather actually show by their concrete uh, behaviors uh, that they are not out to uh, kick us out of the region, dominate it. Uh, and then go after the rest of the world. And to your point, we did have reports about that illegal Chinese lab that was discovered in California recently with about 20 infectious pathogens found in it. But with all the various topics covered today, any final thoughts? Oh, the, the good news just keeps coming and coming. Uh, I'm joking about that. It does sometimes seem uh, depressing. Uh, but what I, I would say is we do have a good hand to play. And what I've described today, particularly with that vulnerability of Chinese leadership's uh, overseas wealth, if we were to play that, you could put the, the Chinese communist top dogs in a position where they have to focus domestically. They have to focus on the problems they've got with that those 500 million people living on five bucks a day. Uh, they have to focus on their rivals at the, the highest levels who are each trying to destroy each other. They are all the time. But now there's a new sort of uh, tool to use. It's the revelations of their unexplained wealth 
overseas, and the Americans can help that be wide, be widely understood. So you want them focusing on those things rather than building up a military that could destroy us, uh, and an economy that you know has us dependent and that is a, a real force in its own right. Uh, so we have some good cards to play. It'd be nice if we played this particular one. And lastly, why do you think we haven't? In some cases, it's commercial. Uh, I think that's partly why the, the media companies do it. And, and I just heard of a, a very good reporter with a, actually a well-respected uh, periodical, I won't say which one, who was told that uh, they could cover any topic about China they want, anyone except Xi Jinping and CCP leadership wealth. So I can't explain it. Uh, as for the State Department, I don't know. Sometimes it's sheer laziness. Sometimes it uh, would uh, belief that, well, we don't want to embarrass these people, otherwise we have no hope of talking to them. And that seems to be the kind of treatment dictators get from uh, the State Department. Well, Grant Newsham, thank you so much for your time. A pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.